Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks, and welcome to episode 28 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, we start our preparations for the coming autumn and winter months. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Welcome once again to my weekly podcast, and my thanks to those of you listening via the Patreon page. I really appreciate your support. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a support page where you can help me create more content by signing up to one of my reward tiers, and in return, you gain access to additional content and support from me. These start from as little as $1 per month, so I believe with the regular quality content I'm producing, $1 represents excellent value for money. If you've not yet started beekeeping and you're looking for help and assistance, pop over to my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk forward slash get started and I'll do all I can to help you out with suggestions and recommendations for you. As usual, I'll leave any relevant links for this week's podcast in the show notes. It's raining. Literally, as I record this podcast, it's finally raining. At last, we have some much-needed rain. I'm thinking mostly about my allotment here. Everything has been so parched, and the crops, like my raspberries, have really struggled to reach the quality that we had last year. So I'm really pleased that we're finally getting some rain. I've actually been watching the bees collecting water from all manner of locations this summer. It's easy to forget that bees need water too. And if you're still not getting any rain, then do make sure that there's some water out there for your bees to use. Anyway, with this rain, it's beginning to feel a lot like autumn. How quickly that heat from the summer has disappeared, leaving me with the feeling that the season's finally over. Of course, I'm speaking from Norwich here in the UK. And wherever you're listening you'll perhaps have a different climate to deal with. So I hope that wherever you are, that you're really enjoying your beekeeping this season. I know that some of you will just be heading into your new season. That seems like uh, yesterday to me, but uh, the season here seems to be very short. And I guess I'm feeling just a little bit envious of you folks who have all year round beekeeping. I mentioned last week that I'm beginning my preparations for this winter now. It's all too easy to leave things until later in the year, maybe mid to late September or October, and then find out that you've run out of time to get treatments and feed into the bees. Having put in so much hard work over the season, it would be terrible to get it wrong now and lose colonies through the winter. Again, I know there are beekeepers out there who will have bees on forage like heather uh, for a fabulous late summer crop, and you'll have a different challenge in getting your bees into the winter But for me, really, I guess I have three checkboxes that I need to tick to make sure that I've done everything I can to get the bees into next spring healthy and ready to start all over again. So this week, we'll cover off the first two tick boxes, and then we'll cover off the final third tick box next week, and that will complete my preparations for the autumn and winter. Number one, I want to make sure the bees are queen right. This means that the colony has a healthy laying queen that can keep the colony going with brood throughout the winter months and into the new season, at least until the new season drones are mature enough to provide replacements. 
You may find some of your colonies are producing queen cells right now. These are generally supersedure queen cells. The colony, for whatever reason, has decided that they want a new queen and will go ahead and produce one or two queen cells to replace the old queen. This is the time of year that you are most likely to spot two queens in your colony too, the old queen and her daughter, working side by side. The old queen will eventually be replaced by her daughter naturally, so there's no need to do anything except marvel at the wonders of our honeybees. If you do have a very old queen, now is a good time to replace her with a younger queen that you've bred specifically for this reason. Having a supply of new queens banked in nucleus colonies is always a great way to go into the autumn months with a smug feeling that you can get all your colonies queen right without any additional expense or worry. Younger queens tend to lay more eggs longer into the autumn months, and so the brood nest is well supplied with bees to help the colony survive through the winter. Smaller colonies are potentially more susceptible to shrinking back and dying out through a lack of numbers late in the winter. They just don't have the numbers of bees to keep everyone warm. So that's box number one ticked. Checking the colonies to make sure that we have a good laying pattern, that there's plenty of eggs, and that the colony is queen right. And we'll check that throughout all of our apiaries. Box number two is pest management. And for me, this means just one thing really, varroa control. As you gain experience, you can tell which colonies may have a varroa problem just by looking at the comb and the larvae. If you have a serious varroa problem that needs to be treated, it's fairly obvious to see. Shrunken larvae that look a little bit desiccated, capped cells with holes in, and maybe the odd dead or dying bee in their cells. Generally speaking, this is a sign that varroa have taken a grip. This is where you really don't want to be, as the varroa loading may be at a critical point. But finding a colony like this can happen really quickly. If you've had a reasonably large colony throughout the summer that have been very productive, you may not have noticed the varroa numbers growing, or actually been able to treat them while you've still got honey on the colony. Now that you've taken off the supers, there's an opportunity to sort out any varroa issues before it gets too serious for the colony. At this time of the year, the colony can suffer from the perfect storm of varroa infestation, and it can be very damaging, if not fatal, for them. If you imagine what's been happening in your very large healthy hive over the active season, you'll see the colony building up nicely in spring. Let's imagine that there was an early nectar flow on, so you didn't treat for varroa in the spring. And anyway, you treated them last autumn, so there wouldn't have been many varroa anyway, would there? As your colony grows into the summer, everything looks great, the bees look okay. One or two of the bees might have deformed wing virus, but nothing too serious. And anyway, you need to get those supers back on, because the summer nectar flow is about to start, and all the treatments that you could use are for six weeks or more, and you don't want to use mitoway quick strips because you've heard what other beekeepers have said about them. So you left treating them until now, but the deformed wing virus appears to be worse since last time you noticed it. Disease inspections through the summer months aren't something that you normally do. The bees always look okay. But now something more serious is happening in the hive. All through the season, the varroa have been multiplying in an ever-increasing brood nest, but now... At this time of the year, the queen isn't laying as many eggs. 
perhaps she's a little older than some of the younger queens you've got, and the reduction in the number of eggs that she's laying is happening faster than in previous years. What we now have is a much larger population of Varroa and an ever-reducing population of new brood for them to occupy, hence more and more larvae and young bees are being adversely affected by the Varroa. It's definitely time to act, and this is exactly where I find myself. All of my honey is removed for extraction in the last week of July, sometimes spanning into the first week of August. Once it's off, I look to treat those colonies that need treating with a Varroa side, and this year I'm using Apistan for the first time in probably over five years. There's a wide range of approved treatments out there, and I've listed them in various places before, and I think on my YouTube channel. Perhaps I'll record another video showing the various products that I've used and continue to use. So, Apistan is a well-known treatment here in the UK. It's been available for many years and is very effective at treating Varroa. But there are several things you need to note if you're going to use this product. Firstly, the active ingredient is called Tau Fluvinate. It's a pyrethroid treatment which can find its way into the honey and comb. So you should never use it while you still have a nectar flow on. The other consideration is that the Varroa mite can build up resistance to Apistan, so it's important to rotate treatments. I took a look at the data that's out there, and on Apistan it suggests the efficacy can be as high as 98%, but can drop very quickly to around 76% by the third year. I haven't used Apistan for well over five years, so I'm pretty confident that it will work effectively throughout my treatment regime this year. The good news is because we have a range of treatments, I can factor in the resistance issue and then treat again after three or more years with Apistan without any worry of a build-up of resistance. As with many other treatments, Apistan has a six-week treatment period, so it's important to get it into the hives in good time. The instructions for use indicate that you can leave it on the hive for up to eight weeks, but my plan is to remove all the strips at six weeks. This will hopefully reduce any residue that could build up within the brood nest comb, and that's another good reason, of course, for renewing comb in the spring. This particular treatment comes in packs of 10 strips, with two strips needed for each full-size hive. Smaller colonies and nukes, you only really need to use one strip, so you might want to share a pack with another beekeeper if you don't need all of the treatment. The way it works is that the bees walk over the strips and pick up molecules of the active ingredient, which is then transferred to the varroa mites. Leaving the treatment in the hive for six weeks ensures that you get two full worker brood cycles and hopefully all the emerging varroa get a dose of the treatment. The strips are really easy to use. They come in one long length and so you simply peel away two for a full hive or just one for a nuke. Remember to keep it in its foil container though. Don't put the strips down on a hot beehive tin roof, for instance. Just in case you were wondering, the manufacturers of Apistan Vita are not sponsoring today's podcast. I just happen to be using their product this year. Maybe they'll sponsor next year's treatments when I'll be using their Apigard. Anyway, treatments will be in all identified hives by the end of the weekend, which means I'll be able to remove them all in the last week of September. Remember to dispose of any leftover treatments or the used treatments properly.
Finally, on the subject of treatments, remember to complete any veterinary medicine record sheets that you have for any of the treatments that you put into your hive. You can get a copy of the template from the National Bee Unit website. It's easy to complete and is a legal requirement here in the UK. So that brings us to checkbox number three, food stores for overwintering our honeybees. And I know that a lot of beekeepers feel that this is a dark art, and it's not really surprising. There's a huge amount of advice out there, and obviously I'm about to chip in with some advice of my own, which will add to the pot and possibly the confusion. So what I'll do is I'll hold off on this final checkbox until next week, and we'll catch up again then when I can go into a lot more detail and talk about feeding bees generally, but specifically about autumn feeding. So that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast, and do keep the comments coming. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sweet.